One, two. Good morning, everybody. It's Easter, so we can let the bags go around three times. What do you guys say? <laughs> Just joking. Signify the three days. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. For three days and three nights, the bags are going around. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> God is good. We're allowed to joke about this stuff, amen? So to the person next to you say, do you think God doesn't have a sense of humor? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Aish. That's tough. <laughs> awesome. Lacquer stuff. Yo, bear with me today, guys. I've got so much on my mind. Just now I've got to go and be Jesus. I've got to, I've got to think of so many things here today. But we're going to go on a... <laughs> we're going to go on an awesome journey. We're going to do something totally different to what you would usually hear on an Easter Sunday message or Easter Friday message. Are you with me? So are you guys ready? Yeah. Awesome. We're going to take a look at the cross way before, not after. We'll get to the after stuff, but we're going to go on a little journey because we want to show you how much assurance you have of your salvation. Amen? We want to show you that it is so set and there is no way it can change. And there is nothing that you can do to change it. But we're going to show you the key to this. Amen? Are you with us this morning? Give Jesus one more big round of applause. Come on. I was just saying this morning um, when we finished soundcheck before we started, you know, there's, there's going to be so many churches around the world on this morning, you know, and they're going to come and they're going to gather and they're going to celebrate Jesus came and he paid the price and, you know, all these sort of things like we normally do every single year, you know, but it's so amazing that the further you push to, to understand what happened, what truly happened at the cross, you move past the cross just being uh, um, the symbol in your life for safety, for redemption, for salvation. The cross becomes the symbol in your life for how you live your life. Are you with me? Because a lot of the times, what do we use? We use the, the, the Easter service as, it's an outreach, it's evangelism. We're going to tell people about, you know, the, 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 that Jesus came to pay the price, you know? And that's 100%. It is exactly truth, right? But when we look past uh, um, just the payment for sin and we start seeing the motive of love that God had for us in sending Jesus, we start to, to truly understand the value that he has for you and I. Are you with me? This is not just something where we come together and we're like, oh, yes, I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Hold on. The cross, as the Bible tells us, Jesus, he, him, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection, right, was the express image of the living God. Not just, oh, yes, we're forgiven. Obviously, that's there, right? But when we truly look at it and we truly understand why Jesus, right? Why it had to be him. Man, the appreciation that we start having to be loved by God is something that you can't even compare. Are you guys with me? Amen. Just put your hand on your heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just close your eyes and say, today, I'm going to experience how loved I really am. Today, I'm going to experience that every scripture Every deed, everything that God has said, everything that Jesus has done, everything about the Holy Spirit's ministry is to cement the love of God in me. Because when I can feel the love of God, when I can experience the love of God, my faith will skyrocket. Amen? It all works through love. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, Yes, sir, lekker ding en God het jou lief. Amen. Is that the correct Afrikaans? I always say to my wife, because you know, she's, she's more Afrikaans to me. I say, um, What? Jy is my lief, jy het my hart gedief. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you, 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 get, you get like 100 points for effort. That was, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Awesome. So this is the moment, guys. Did you know that the death, the burial, and the resurrection, we're going to take a journey 
why Jesus? Before the cross, why Jesus at the cross? Why Jesus in the, in the burial? What actually happened in the abode of the dead? Why did he have to go there? And then we're going to look at after the cross, and we are going to celebrate the life that we have in Jesus. God is so good. This is the pinnacle of what you believe. Did you know if you took everything out of the Bible and you just focused on the death, burial, and resurrection, you would be doctrinally correct. Did you know that? Take away all your doctrine, take away all the stuff that came through from the Jews, take, about, take away all the stuff from the Talmud and the laws and the cultures and all these things that can sometimes confuse us. You can even get rid of the shadow and the tops for a little while. Just focus on the death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says, preach Christ crucified, nothing else. This is what makes us people of faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not a religious person. Just by the way, did you guys know that? You see, the word religion actually means a format, a ritual, a system, or a practice that man does so that he can connect himself back to God. Okay? Listen, folks. We do not have a system, a format, or a ritual in true Christianity. We have a person. That's why we have a faith. We don't have a system that we try to play out every day so that we can feel like we are uh, uh, saved, healed, forgiven, whatever it is, at peace. No, because the system will always just bring you back to yourself and how you feel. At the end of the day, we needed somebody outside of ourselves to give us assurance of the fact that we are saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made prosperous. And that person is Jesus. It is Jesus. The truth is, in Christianity, it's just not a religion. We've got to get away from all these things that we hold on to, all these things that, you know, we've been trained so, so deeply in our hearts, uh, church attendance, uh, uh, giving of the money, uh, saving souls, uh, you name it, studying the Bible, all those things. Okay, none of those things can do for us what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. If you had never, ever read the Bible ever in your life and somebody came and told you about the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and you received it by faith in your heart, all the work was done on his side. You'll go straight to heaven. What happened to the guy who was on the cross next to Jesus? Man, he didn't ask for forgiveness. He didn't roll out his, his, his whole uh, uh, um, religious, uh, whatever you were, wrote prayer and, say, and said, I see that you are now the one. Uh, please forgive me of my sin. Do you accept me? Are you with me? He said in his heart, he said, you're the one. You're the one. And Jesus said, we'll be in paradise together. Mm. Religion is poisonous, guys. Religious, religion confuses everything. And we put way more emphasis on doctrine than we do on love. Amen? Yeah. Your love that you receive from Christ is the foundation of all your doctrine. Yeah. Amen? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I sent Deeds a message like 1 o'clock last night. <laughs> Because night before service, we never ever sleep. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, okay, we'll say goodnight and everything. And then uh, in the bed, you're like, wow, Lord, the mysteries of the universe are being revealed now. This is crazy, you know? But uh, I had something on my heart last night uh, for the theme this morning is that uh, this morning we want to show you that the life that you have been called to experience is far above doctrine, religion, tradition, culture, anything. You have been called to experience life himself. That's what you have been called to. See, for so long, right, and this is why Jesus, for, for, from the beginning, Genesis 3, from the beginning, the cycle started that man was now in the trap that he's going to figure out what life is. He's going to dictate what life is with no connection to God, and he's just going to hack it until he makes it. Are you with me? Fake it until he makes it. That didn't rhyme, sorry. <laughs> He's going to fake it until he makes it. 
And every time he feels bad, he's going to do something different, feel a little bit different, and try and live that life. Where do you think traditions and cultures come from? You know, you guys know the age-old example of one day a daughter is seeing her mom uh, prepare like a roast leg of lamb or whatever, and she always cuts off the front of it and chucks it away, and then puts it in the oven. So the daughter's like, why are you throwing the meat away? I mean, this is meat, what are you doing? She's like, it's just how my mom used to do it. And the child is like, but why? Why did she do that? Phones the mom, hey mom, why did you cut that piece off the roast, you know? It's like, oh no, I didn't have a pan big enough, so we couldn't cook it. Are you with me? It's like the, the, the methods and, and, and the approaches that we come up with, right? It all comes from the, 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 the place that we were prison to of self-preservation. That's where it all comes from. It comes from that place where we had to decide or we had a need to find peace. We had a need to know where to go, to know what to do. We didn't have a connection with God and then we just ended up deciding. Are you guys with me? So when we're talking about life this morning, this morning we're not going to tell you how to do things differently. See, a lot of people think that Christianity, the religion, right? Because Christianity was actually a term made up to mock believers. Believe it or not, go check it out, right? Believers, believe it or not. Yeah, believers, believe it or not, right? Uh, to mock believers because of how they would carry on, right? Um, and... Christianity just became another recipe. That all it became, that's all it, it was. It just became another recipe and people would follow week in and week out, hopefully one day this is gonna work. But to be a believer, like how the, the, the apostles preached and what Jesus spoke about and what he taught on, does not mean that you have a recipe for life. What it means is, is that you're connected to the chef. Are you with me? It's a big difference between having a recipe and being connected to the chef. Yes, I, I heard yes on the left there. There's a lot of chefs on that side. Nice. Any chefs this side? Yes? Oh, food lovers. Food, oh, food lovers are this side, chefs are that side. See? Balance. I like it. I like it. Um, but are, are you guys with me? This is, this is about understanding that when you say you're a believer, it's got nothing to do with figuring out how to live but it's got everything to do with connecting to a person. Amen? And from the beginning, it's always been about that one person. Amen. And we're going to show you guys that right now. Everybody do this. Just put your hand here and go, like you're wiping the sweat off your brow. Just go, shoo. Sheesh. I just got reminded that my faith. Can you, can you do it? Put your hands here again. Let's do it again. Go, shoo. I just got reminded. Just got reminded that my faith. That my faith is not in my faith. It's not in my faith. And my faith, and my faith is not in me. But my faith, my faith is in Jesus. Amen. Amen. We got to remember that. Come on. Amen. This is all about the King. And let's, let's actually go and have a look at that. Can we go to Ephesians 1, 4? And then we're going to read from uh, 1 verse 4 to 6. Let's do that together. <clears throat> Actually, pick it up from, from three if you can. Thanks, guys. Give, give our guys at the, uh, at the back there a big round of applause. Okay, we're about to see something so beautiful, and it's a part of the cross that I don't think many people um, actually know or get taught about, but this is how beautiful our Jesus really is. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved there we could preach on that for centuries do you actually understand how loaded that is family let's break it down from four can you can you lose three and pick it up on four okay so we are all blessed with spiritual blessings 
in heavenly places, okay? But look what he says here. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Revelations 13.8 says, did you know this? The lamb was slain before the world was even found or, or created. Write that down. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what we are saying here? Listen to what it says. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So there is never going to be any other way to be blameless, to be righteous, outside of the one that he predestined us to be chosen in. He did this before he even created the dust. Before the, the new song that God put in our hearts, before time was even set, yeah. before we had ever met, he had already chosen us. He had already made a way for us in his son. Do you understand why Jesus? Do you understand why it can't be anything else and it cannot be yourself? Do you understand that this has got nothing to do with you? This has everything to do with the predestined plan of God. Choosing us before we were even born in his own beloved son. Guys, the work is so done. So done. The work is so finished. Do you understand that our faith is not what we're looking for God to do? Our faith is based on the death, burial, and resurrection. He said before, I already make the decision. I make the decree. Did you know that whatever God says with his mouth, he, he cannot go back on it? The book of Psalms, it says that you have placed your word higher than yourself. So he decreed. He sat in heaven. Listen to how beautiful this is. Just think about this. He has God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit sitting in heaven. And he looks at the world, and the world has no form, but the world has all this potential. Amen? And he's got this thing. He's love. He is love. He doesn't have love. Say this, he is love. So everything he does, he does with a motive of love. And guess what? He is this, the creator. He wants to create. And every time he creates, he can't help himself. And every time he creates, he creates with the motive of love. So he's sitting in heaven and he goes, yes, the world. Uh, oh, he's, he's created the universe. He has the world. It has no shape and no form. And the Holy Spirit is just brooding over it. Amen? Waiting for the word. And before he even puts his hand to the plow, when it comes to taking us out of the miry clay, he sits and he goes, I have this longing to have an earthly family. And he says to Jesus, now think about it. He's got his heavenly hosts. He's got his heavenly family. He's got all the angels. He's got everything. And he says, I have this longing in my heart to create man in my likeness and in my image. And then he sits and he contemplates and he goes, but I know that if I make them in my image, I have to give them something that is very, very precious. And that very precious thing could be the very thing that causes them to turn their back on me, causes them to get lost, causes them to become someone who is God of themselves. He says, but I have to give them this thing. It's called free will. So he makes us with all his attributes. We have, his, we have emotional capacity. We have intellectual capacity. We have a spirit. We have the capacity to make decisions for ourselves. But God says, in all his wisdom and all his power and all his knowledge, he says, I'm going to make them in my likeness and image. I'm going to give them the capacity to choose. But before I do that, I decree that you, my beloved, my only begotten son, will be slain 
for them when they choose to run away from me. Sheesh. This is un... Oh, man, that's so good. It is so beautiful. What does that do to all of our religion, guys? What does that do to all the messages that you heard in your whole life where, you know, you got to do this so God can do, th do this for you. And you got to do this so that God can bless you. And you got to do this. How many times, okay, let's put it this way. How many of you guys have always seen Jesus as the plan B? Everyone has. 99% of Christians have. You know why? Because everybody thought, so God created Adam. Adam fell. That's all right. And then God was in a panic mode. And God's like, oh, my creation is running away from me. <laughs> and then what God did was he had to come up with a plan B and he had to go and get a savior. And then he chose his son and then he sent his son to save us. He did this before you even chose to sin. Before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was even created, he already had the plan, and the plan was Jesus and only Jesus. Let's go. Come on. Come, Come on. on. Give him a shout of praise. Come on. There's so many things that this opens up. Would Jesus still have had to come if we never ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes. Because God had chosen that we would only have the best. We would only reach our perfect potential as a human, even if we hadn't eaten of the tree. It was always to go through Jesus. Do you understand why now he says, I am the way? Yeah. He was the way, he is the way, and he will always be the way. Take Buddha, take Muslim, uh, what's his Allah, take all these idols and get them out of your life. Even the idol of Christianity, the idol of Christianity that is based on you doing something in your own sweat. Get that out of your life because the more you do it, the more your heart becomes cold and hard to the plan of Christ from the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, you were chosen. You, would cho you were chosen and predestined to adoption as sons in Jesus Christ. Do you even know what this means? So he saw, he knew, with, in, in all his knowledge, he knew, okay, my children are going to run. They're going to make a decision. They're going to become God of themselves. But you know what? I'm going to adopt them back into my family through Jesus. And how do we know the motive is all about love? Because it was the plan before you sinned. Exactly. Come on. It was the plan before you even sinned. Amen? It's always been about love. Yes, exactly. He made a way for us. I mean, just look at this. Okay, so, so he predestined us to the adoption as Jesus Christ, uh, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Not because he had to, not because the devil had taken over and the devil was destroying everybody. The devil is a muhu. Do you know that some people have an idea that the cross was a payment to the devil? That's what it gets preached. That's what gets preached in our churches. Are you telling me the creator of the universe made such a big mess up and then he had to go and send his son as a payment to the, the, the angel, the fallen angel that he had created. Are you with me? Where does the devil come in? What? What? Futsak mit dung man. Why have we given the devil so much power? Amen. Sure. Sure. Let's carry on reading. Let's go to seven. <clears throat> In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Come on, family. Come on. I'm okay. I've got to, uh, I also, I I've got to, to calm breathe. down. Yeah, I need to breathe. I just, I'm jumping up out of the chair. Um, um, just relax. You, you, yeah, this is... You see why people got... Uh, um, shall we say, whenever the gospel was preached in the early church, you guys understand why they reacted the way they did. I made a statement last week and I said, you know, uh, uh, this generation of the church is the most equipped generation physically. There's not a resource that we're missing. There's nothing we don't have access to. We have a, a, a view of history that has never been had before, right? Uh, I'm talking about historical accounts and all these things. But never in the history of the church has the body of Christ been so depraved. It's true. It's true. Why do you think the world is so evil? It's because the church is so powerless. Okay, I'm sorry. It's so yeah, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's traditional. It's religious. That's why the world is in, in going in the direction that it's going, you know? And then some people are like, no, but the Bible says that this needs to play out. Well, do you think that God wrote it down like that because he knew that the kids were going to fall away and not be interested? Of course he did that. God always gives prophecy and everything in perfect context, not missing a single factor. Are you with me? So the beauty of what we're talking about this morning is that God is the expert at managing expectations. Pesh, what are you talking about? Have you guys ever had a miscommunication with someone and you're like, this is what I'm going to do, but they thought it's something else. But it's so much more than what you initially said it was going to be. You guys ever, ever had that before? Right? Right here, right now, God is managing the expectation that we can have from him. Look at this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Cool. So, based on what we just discussed, when was the blood shed? For the foundations of the world. Some people even go as far as to say, no, there's no grace in the Old Testament. What are you talking about? God's only ever been grace. He has. It's only ever been grace. But they say, no, 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 they had the law. It's like, no, you have no clue what you're talking about. The law of the old, right, that God had to address with this, the, de de the declaration that he made in the beginning, before anything ever started, was to fix something that free will broke in you and I. That it broke in you and I forever. Right? And what was that thing? That thing was the conscience. You guys know what the conscience is? Right? Now the conscience is that thing that you have in life that is your compass. Right? Every time you do something good, you're like, yeah, I'm chill. This is cool. And then you do something bad, what do you do? I need to go find an old lady to help across the road. What? Like, you know? I need to go feed someone at the robot. Let me give more change this time. I won't give coins. I'll give notes, you know? When you do something wrong, I got to get a church. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There is this divine element in every single one of us that will never, ever, ever stop telling us that we're on the wrong path. It'll never, ever stop telling you that you've missed the mark. Are you with me? That is the law of sin and death that the Bible is talking about. It's not talking about the law of Moses. It's not talking about all that other stuff. It's talking about that broken thing in you that needed an exit point. Mm. Do you know that religion is structured to try and deal with that thing? Okay, I'm not good enough to get blessed, but they tell me if I give enough money, I'm in covenant with God. Oh. What? No profanities in church, Pastor D. Just, just, just by the way, <laughs> you don't have a covenant with God. You just, don't. For, yeah, okay. God never made a covenant with you. Yeah. Just by the way. Exactly, right? So, that being said, okay, you know, I, I don't... In the name of Jesus. <laughs> All right. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. But you, you guys can sense the, the excitement in my voice. If I do start speaking too fast 
and the Indian me comes out, just wave at me. Slow, slow. Okay. When he says Jesus loves you and all, then you must know. Except what kind? Except I mean, really, you know. Uh, at least it's more Durban. It's not like uh, hello, bye, uh, hello. You know, it's it's not like that. Okay. <laughs> what are you saying? Huh? You're talking about Jesus, huh? No. <laughs> Focus, passion. Okay, right. Listen. Okay. So, we were talking about this internal divine thing that God created you with, all right, that you can't fix, all right? And it's amazing how that thing works because it works on both sides. It works when you do something wrong, but it also works when you've been wronged. Say that again. I'm going to say that again because Pastor D said it must, okay? <laughs> it works... When you do something wrong, okay, and it also works when you've been wronged. And this is how it works, right? So when you do something wrong, what do you do? You say, no, no, I need to pay something here to make up, right? And you look at any religion, they'll tell you that. The Catholics tell you, chastise yourself. Go in your room and whoop yourself. Work with the Hail Mary. Yeah, the Muslims say, pray five times a day. And hopefully your prayers get heard and then that's your good things, you sort it. You know? The Buddhists say, clear your mind. Like, just forget everything you did that was wrong. <laughs> what are you saying, dude? Like, we can't just, like, yeah, it's like, where do we sweep this stuff? I mean, we can't just like push it in a corner and be like, no, you know? <laughs> you know, my brother, he had this thing, right? And, and he's, he's with you, is he, with, Kayla, are you here? Oh, you ducking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Normally he's tall, I can see you. So he had this habit when he was younger, right? That if something was like laying on the floor in his room or something, he would walk past it, you know? And my mother would be like, did you not see that thing? It's there on the floor. He's like, mom, if I don't look at it, it's not there. <laughs> um, uh? Yeah, yeah, he's admitting it, okay? But that's what, this is how deluded we become when we're not connecting to the one who set the expectation in the beginning. So now, this is why you have 55,733 denominations of Christianity, all right? It's not an accurate figure, I'm exaggerating things. 38,000. 38,000? 38,000. 38,000. 38, known. I wasn't far off. Jeez, maybe it was prophetic, we're getting worse. <laughs> but this is why you have so many different denominations. And you'll find in all those denominations, they're not connecting to the initial expectation. Mm. And the biggest thing with Christianity is that they always take it back to, what's this guy's name? John Calvin and Amen, what's his name? Uh, van Buren, no. <laughs> he's, a, he's the EDM dude. Oh, Armin van Buren, uh, he's a DJ. Yeah, he's um, a DJ, yeah. Uh, what's the, what's the, the other one? Anyway, it's Calvinism and Armenianism, right? Yeah, Armenianism, that's right. They even go back to those two, it's like, no, we must stem from these guys. It's like, but both of them are wrong. Both of them are neither, uh, neither of them are focusing on the gospel that we are taught in the word of God. All right? And it's because they leave out the one element that scripture tells us is the stumbling block. Do you know there is not a single religion in the world right now, okay, or has ever been that, it, that has a coherent logic from end to end? Think about it. And they all avoid their own inconsistencies. So when you get to the one point, I mean, we were chatting to uh, uh, some Muslim people, you know, uh, was it last week or the week before, you know, and they were asking about Jesus and stuff. So I said, dude, the key is the absolute assurance, you know? Islam doesn't offer you absolute assurance, but Christ does. And he's like, no, no, I can have absolute assurance. I'm like, how? He's like, no, if I give my life for my religion. So I'm like, do that. Why are you living every day in confusion about whether you're saved or not? That makes no sense to me. If I can get a guarantee, I'm going to take it. Are you guys with me? But can you see, they will protect having to deal with that thing. So here's what happened, right? And I know we still want to get to prosperity. Yeah. So here's what happened, right? That thing in us broke when Adam and Eve decided, right? They were deceived, and then they made a decision. To say, okay, we're going to do it ourselves. We're not going to do it on this expectation, this standard, all right? And they ate of the tree, and then you guys know the whole story, right? But the problem came in is that God is spirit, right? 
And we were created in the natural world. Are you with me? But we were created out of that desire for love and connection that God created us as beings who could connect with the natural world and with him who is spirit. Amen? And what happened then is that when that thing broke, there was a natural limitation to us connecting to a spiritual God. Right? Are you guys with me? You know, a teaching that I fell to badly in my early Christian walk was about how whenever you start praise and worship, whenever you start praying or anything, make sure your sins are purified. So you go through this confession exercise. And you know me, I'm so, I'm so structured, I'm, I'm organized. So I had this 20 minutes like prayer confession thing, then I had like a 20 minute praise and worship session, then I had like a 20 minute you know, Bible study. I was, man, and I was convinced this is it, right? But I was looking for natural solutions to fix the natural problem I was born with. Because the Bible tells us, through Adam, everyone was born into sin. What sin? Sin, the noun, the place of sin. And the place of sin is where you end up on this hamster wheel of life trying to quieten your conscience. And you end up serving yourself from morning to night. Morning to night, continuing in the chaos that you wish would just go away. Right? This is all in the book of Romans. Go read our study. We go deep into this. All right? But we're taking a journey this morning. Okay? So this thing that was caused by a natural uh, um, event, why was a spiritual solution not enough? Because uh, we, we were talking about that last time. Why wasn't the cross just, why wasn't God being there just enough? What was it? And you see, it's because people have decided how things work. People decide who they are, how they work. Oh, no, no, it's who I am. I'm like, but how do you know? No, I sense it. It's like, okay, but if you feel like you're a flamingo, right? How do you know that feeling's right? Where's the benchmark where you're going to know that you are a flamingo? Are you with me? I'm going to identify as a tree. Stop murdering my people, you know? It's like, well, hold on. What's the benchmark? You can't tell me that you just decide because you in yourself, none of us are sovereign. We don't have, free will is not sovereignty, meaning free will is not independent of corruption. Free will merely decides away. Only God is independent of corruption. That would, that's what being sovereign means. Are you with me? And the minute that we forfeit that we are made in his image and his likeness, we will see every kind of corruption. Are you guys with me? So when Jesus came, now we, we just read it was established from the beginning, right? That was the thing. It's like, this is what I'm going to do with these people. Jesus, you are the benchmark, right? Right now, you are slain. You are, your blood has been shed. The forgiveness has been poured out. Everything, okay? Which means that the forgiveness that you have because... Uh, uh, of his blood, right? The redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. It means that what you are experiencing now, does that mean that sins were only forgiven when Jesus died? Because we just heard he was slain before it all. Which means what? That we were forgiven from the beginning. Which again proves that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. Are you with me? So why did Jesus have to come then? Do you know why he had to come? Yeah, guys asking a good question. It's because the natural problem needed a natural solution. Listen carefully. The natural problem needed a natural solution because... When they ate from that thing, and one day I'm going to find out what this freaking fruit looked like. Because I'm telling you, there's no fruit I see in my life today that I would forfeit Jesus for. I'm sure it was a bowl. <laughs> it was a bowl of Fruit Loops. Because <laughs> no, no, they went loopy afterwards. I might reconsider with cereal. Just hold on. Wait, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right? So it physiologically changed how we functioned. 
Because we were never designed to function independent of God. Accept it. Anyone who thinks they can function independent of God, don't be shocked when you have a life of chaos ahead of you. And it's not God doing it to you. You're doing it yourself. Amen? So Jesus had to come. And this is, this is where the beauty of the cross, right? This is where the cross is the ultimate standard. This is why, like I was mentioning, the early church responded the way they did. Okay? Because remember I told you, that conscience... It acts in two ways, when you do wrong and when you've been wronged, right? Now, we know what happened at the cross, okay? You can go read the account. Everyone's seen the passion of Christ, you know, all that stuff. You, you know more or less what's been taking place, okay? And the Bible tells us that God was pleased to bruise him for our sake. And somewhere along the line, that got corrupted to say that God needed to do that so that we could be at peace with him for himself. <clears throat> Wrong, okay? God did that to pay the price of the devil. Eh, wrong. Try again, right? God needed to do that so that we had a natural solution. Because here's how it works. And those of you who've listened to our, our heart series, right? This is how it works. When you do something wrong, the only way that you can be free from that guilt is if, you, if, is if you see the punishment for yourself that is worthy of what you did. That's why everyone has different levels of how they get their goodness back. It's like, oh no, I just told a little white lie, you know. You know, let me just put an extra 10 rand in the offering bag, oh, you know. I cheated on my wife, I'm gonna go buy her a sports car. Right, are you guys with me? Can you see it, it correlates? So the, the judgment that you decide you must pay, the price you must pay, is directly correlated to the offense that you carry. Likewise, when someone has done something bad to you, you decide. What? I haven't spoken to my brother in 30 years. Why? He's your brother. No, no, he did this thing. I'm like, yes, he did. 30 years is a long time. What happens? And then when the brother dies and they go cry by the box, all of a sudden they have love and the offense is gone. Why? Do you know why? Because the heart has seen that the price for that offense has been paid. People think they go cry by the box out of regret. I'm not denying there's a part of it. But they go cry by the box out of love because now the offense is gone. And then they're overwhelmed with sorrow because the offense kept them from all the time they could have had. So, God says, right, this is how I'm going to fix this natural thing. This is, this is the genius of God. You think Einstein and Hawking and all of them are clever? Please, man. Check the genius of God, right? He says, okay, Jesus, we're going to have a solution so that any punishment that they feel they deserve to receive, you're going to take it. And any punishment that they feel they deserve to give, I'm going to give it. So this is Jesus on the cross. He's endured everything already. And we're not going to go into that detail because that's another few decades of study. And he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? You guys know that statement. And everyone feels it. They're like, oh, my gosh. And that's when his punishment for sin began, right? But this is what happened. When we were given the symbol of the cross, right? For that which we believe we are to receive. So for example, I cheated on my wife, I need to buy her a sports car. That judgment, right? Jesus is saying, don't pay that price. I've paid it for you. Because you know what's gonna happen? You're not gonna be able to connect with your wife or with God until you know that that sports car has been accepted as a worthy payment. Are you with me? So what did he do? He took the ultimate punishment. Because someone will decide it's a sports car, someone will decide it's flowers and chocolates. And God's like, no, your standards aren't good enough. This is what the perfect punishment looks like. This is the punishment that you were to receive. 
Not because I needed it, not because God needed it, not because the devil needed it, but because your heart needs to see it so that you can be free of the guilt and condemnation. In the same way, when you've been wronged, you decide what that person must do to make it up to you. God says, your standard, it's a chamors. It's not good enough. I will exercise the ultimate punishment. And that is the standard that you will use to forgive others. And in that way, not only does he take the place of the one who has done wrong, but also the one who has been wrong. And right there in that moment, God fixed the natural problem. Because now you don't have to wait for someone to die before you can have peace. You don't have to wait to die so you can have peace. He gave you a death that you must reckon with. Are you guys with me? That's a good place to clap. Now you know why Jesus. Before time was set, and then you know why the cross. Because we actually had to see it. The, the Muslim, Muslim gentleman that I was speaking to is actually a, a, friend, a brother of one of the family, uh, church family members. And uh, we said, do you have peace? And he says, yes, I've I got peace. I said, why do you have peace? And he said that, I have peace because I've prayed. And I was like, but what does that mean? Uh, that means your peace is coming from something that you did. The Bible says, my peace can only come from that one person. So when I look to the cross like today, when I look to the cross, I don't have peace because I did the Christian things. I have peace because I look at the, I look at the cross and I see the full and final payment. And I see it with my eyes. All of creation has seen it. All the calendars stopped. Everything changed. The pinnacle of eternity was that moment on the cross where through one man's sin, Adam, all died and became sinners. But through one man's righteous deed, all who look and see and believe as he is raised and drawn all judgment unto himself, they are free forever. It is such a beautiful message. It's a message that every heart needs to understand. That's why Jesus, that's why the cross. There's no other way. Amen? Come on, let's give him a big round of applause. Yeah, well, you, you're going to carry on because I'm going to go get changed. I'm going to go miraculously you're gonna, change. You're going to go now. transform into, into Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So give, give me a couple of minutes. Come on, Pastor Didi, give him a round of applause. Thank you so much. Did you guys get something this morning? Can you see why the early church just took to the gospel? Can you see why? Can you see why in today's world, no one wants to hear you talk about Jesus? Because they'll come up to you and be like, excuse me, sir, do you think that you're good? Or really, did you lie? Did you steal? Like, Dude, what kind of watered down nonsense are you preaching? We're talking about God coming and fixing a problem that only he could fix. It was either he would fix it or our death would fix it. That is it. And the reason he fixed it was so that we could connect with him. Amen? I want to read something to you while they, they're busy getting ready there. Ish. Are you guys still okay? We've got some good stuff coming, man. I hope you guys are still awake. We've we got the skit and we've got communion. It's going to be power. Amen. Amen. Um, da -da -da -da. Uh, John chapter 1, sorry. I'm not going to read that one. I'm going to go John chapter 1. All right, verse 18, I think it is. 
John 1, 16. John 1, 16. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Some translations say grace upon grace. Other translations say grace in place of grace, right? Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that there was no grace before? No, it doesn't mean that. What it's talking about is this, ladies and gents, is that the grace that God has been giving towards us has been consistent from the beginning. The unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God, his ability that is ready and waiting for us to experience the fullness of life is there. From the beginning, it has never stopped. The only thing that changed was our ability to receive it. Are you with me? So when he's talking here in this scripture, what he's talking about is that now because of Jesus, grace can find its end point. Because you see, until they had the natural, the natural solution, they could not receive grace in their hearts because they were constantly disqualified. They were only searching for judgment. Are you with me? Even to the Jews, God gave the sacrifices, the yearly sacrifice, the, the, the atoning uh, um, lamb and the heifer and all this sort of stuff, right? It's because he needed to show them that judgment has been passed. So now for you and I, the grace of God that he's been extending from the beginning, even before the foundations of the world, right? The grace that he's been extending can be made complete in your heart. But God is saying the benchmark is Jesus. It has to be him and what he has done. Amen. Come on, give God another round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah.